And we're back. It's your boy, Mario Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the Great Cinema Draft Game. And I'm here with a man who needs no introduction, Cinema Draft's most prolific guest and gaming enthusiast, host of the Mostly Sports Podcast. It's my boy. It's your boy. It's Jay Devlin. What's up, buddy? Thanks for uh, having me back on again in my intro. Fail to mention that I am the first ever winner of the Cinema Draft game. All right. Upon your tombstone, first line on your epitaph, the first ever winner of the Cinema Draft uh, site game, Jay Evelyn. My dad. It's in my will. That is that is absolutely the first thing in my obituary. I want nothing else about me. Just here lies Jay Devlin, the very first winner of the Cinema Draft game, the game that has taken over the world, the most popular game in the world, and he was the first to ever win. So, Amen to that history maker in our presence, our anti-co-inspired Watch What Happens Live drinking game tonight. Shall be the word rich. It's every time we hear one of us say this word, take a sip of what you're sipping. This is water, not vodka. Mm-hmm. That would be very rich of me because Night Pod is all about covering the very rich tradition of costume dramas. All right. So, the world's on fire, social contracts torn up, pandemic's got us at home, everything's a fucking mess. So, I want you to tell me something good, Jay Devlin. Tell me something good for your corner of the world. Uh, you were breaking up a little bit right there. I apologize. Oh, no, I'm saying that. Tell me something good over your corner of the world. Man. Uh, like, things are good, man. I mean, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot going on in the world, but, uh, you know, you do what you do. You wake up in the morning, you do you do your best to, to have a nice day and, and, you know, impact others with uh, some positivity and some kindness. And uh, that's a good place to start, man. Hard to clean up the world when you can't clean up your own house. So I would implore Amen. everybody to, to start in their own house and then work their way out. So so what's something good in your own house, Jay Devlin? Uh, good. That that's good. My dog Travis, right there, man. He's uh, he, great he's name. He's something good. Getting ready to move. I'm, we're getting ready to move back to Annapolis, Maryland. Come uh, in about three weeks. So uh, my time, my time in LA is uh, is tick tocking away very quickly. Being oh shit! Sure. Like for good, for good. Like you're out. Good, good, good. Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're heading east. We're packing up the truck and uh, and we're heading out of town, man. So you know, it's been a good run. Been in LA for 13 years. Still going to be oh, coming out man. here quite a bit. My my wonderful, wonderful girlfriend Melissa has two daughters to live out here. So we're we're going to still be out here quite a bit. But uh, but yeah, pretty excited, man. Pretty excited to head to Annapolis. So I mean, I'm, I'm cool. devastated. I mean, I'm, uh, those runs at the marina won't be the same. I mean, <laughs> goodness. I mean, not that I'm out in LA every weekend or anything, but like when everything is, goes back to normal, I mean, I definitely hope to see you out there on the court. You know, like, I got to up and have you hit a thirty footer in my face. I mean, just like, oh, yeah, don't worry, Ed. You, you get a couple jumpers that'll be rained down in your face. So, you know, at least one or two more times in your life. I, I do have a bone to pick with you, though. I, I mean, look, ah. as you said, I'm the most prolific guest in uh, Cinema Draft Podcast history. We have yes, a great time. We chop it up. I love the community. I love everything you're doing, right? But you okay. usually put it on a tee for me, and we just have a good time. However, you're hitting me with costume dramas today. <laughs> I didn't even know what I didn't even know what a goddamn costume drama was. I had to go on a Fair. deep. I had to ask. I had to ask Jeeves. Jeeves told me what it was. I was able to pick three or four, so I, I feel like I'm primed and ready. But I appreciate the homework you gave me. And hey, well, you know what? You're so versatile. I, I felt like it'd be a cliche if you leaned into your into business home cooking for you, like something like gambling or sports related. I mean, you're more than that, Jay Devlin. I believe in you. 
I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. What uh, what are you watching these days, man? What's uh, what's on the Eduardo TV? What's streaming with you in the draft market? Well, thank you for coming during the show and into what I'm watching. I appreciate that. I was actually just typing it in to the IMDb. Let me share my screen real quick and show you guys what I'm watching. Outlander is is the show I'm watching right now. I just got started. It's like I think five completed seasons. It's kind of nuts. Uh, it's it's definitely a costume drama. Uh, it basically deals with a, a 1945 or 46 English combat nurse from from World War II in, in England. She's on her honeymoon in Scotland with her boo, and she goes to these sacred stones, puts her hands on them, and then is magically transported to 1743 Scotland, where you know it uh, Scotland's like an occupied territory by the British and 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 English people aren't you know looked you know well upon and she's trying to get back to her own time it's wild and I love some historical fiction so I'm you know so I'm not surprised that I'm enjoying it and I have to give it up for Outlander this show is extremely horny <laughs> it definitely is very very sexy a lot of a lot of sex a lot of a lot of uh, nudity, a lot of gore. I mean, and, and honestly, like the, I finished watching the season one finale last night, and that was a hard watch. Like, like this dude, Tobias Menzies, I think he actually won, like, either an Emmy or a Golden Globe uh, for, for his season one pr- performance. He's, he's on one. He is really killing it. And it's just it's a really good story, and I'm kind of interested to see where it goes. Have you, have you seen or watched Outlander? Well, Ed, I, I didn't realize that during COVID and these tough times, you morphed into my 75-year-old mom. Uh, <laughs> that is certainly one of her favorite shows. My mom and my stepdad no longer watch shows that are based in America. They only watch Acorn. They only watch, you know, stuff from, like, every country in Europe other than, you know, other than this country. So, so yeah, she's a big Poldark fan, a big Outlander oh. fan, and she's, she's mm. tried to get me and Melissa to watch and. It, it it didn't take. I'll just say that I'm not going to rip but it. The accents, the accents are incredible. I mean, you know, lots of lots of broad lingo from the wee lads and lasses. You can. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, you need subtitles. I I couldn't understand half the things these people were saying. Oh, I watch every show with captions now. I'm I'm officially washed. <laughs> okay. Well, look at me. I got gla- these, I, I used to wear fake glasses because I was like, all right, they look kind of studious. Now I it's karma. Now I need these things. So, okay, fair enough. You know, I, I talk about being watched. I'm definitely watched. Uh, well, what am well, I watching? What's yeah, what are you watching? Dude, so I was on the pod about six weeks ago with you, man. We had a great time. We chopped it up. And I, I had just, a friend of mine talked me into watching season one of Survivor, right? Exactly. That was six, like five, six weeks ago, Ed. Since then, I've watched 32 seasons of Survivor. That's too much. <laughs> I've literally watched almost, I've watched Top Chef, still watching Top Chef. Uh, I'm still watching some other like reality Vanderpumpy type stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just been nonstop survivor. We spent like a couple weeks down in Palm Springs, had to get a place that had a TV outside so I could watch survivor while I swam in the pool. All right. That's kind of a, uh, you know, whatever. Take that how you want to take it. But I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with survivor. I a had pair. it on before we started this podcast. I'm going to put it back on. After the podcast is over, my my girlfriend hates me because I can't stop watching it. But I have eight seasons left. Best show on TV. Best show I've ever watched in my entire life. It wow! Is, it is usurped, lost as my favorite show of all time. Those are bold claims, Jay Devlin. What makes Survivor the best show you've ever watched? That seems like hyperbole. 
We live in bold times, Ed. We live in bold times. <laughs> you got, it, it, desperate times call for desperate measures. I've learned a lot, not only about myself, but about the people around me. Uh, I look at the world totally differently now after watching 32 seasons of Survivor in about five or six weeks. I, I don't know. I, I Take the deep dive. Just trust me. Watch a couple of seasons. You won't be able to stop watching. Uh, well, all right. Well, if he's, I'll, I'll take your word for it, JD. I don't know if I've got 39 or 40 seasons in me, but, um, wow. Okay. JD is on Survivor. Well, so from our draft stream game, the other thing I've been watching is The Five Bloods, which debuted oh. on Netflix this past weekend. Have you seen that? All right. So I, I saw you tweeting about it and it looks amazing. I love everybody that's in it. And, as soon as I can, like, take a break from my Survivor stuff, it's probably number one in my queue without giving anything away. I think I understand the gist of it. Can you can you break it down for me a little bit? Yeah, sure. So four black Vietnam vets return 50 years later to Vietnam, uh, kind of to honor their fallen comrade, but really they're there to retrieve a cache of U.S. gold they buried during the war. And it's interesting because they do some cut, some cutting away back and forth between when they're in the shit in Vietnam in, I think, 60... I think it was 68 or 70, I think it was 71 was when they were actually in, in Vietnam on that side. And, and so that's kind of interesting. And also the fact that we really haven't seen like the definitive or really any black Vietnam war vet movies. And one of the things they mentioned in the film is that uh, African-Americans at the time were only 10% of the population in the U.S. I think we're now like 13 or 14%, but we made up almost a third, like 32% of of the fighting forces of Vietnam, which is wild. Yeah, the fact you got like yes, the fact you got like platoon and and casualties of war and and all the in apocalypse, apocalypse now, all these now. Yeah. all these great you know Vietnam War movies, but are, are mostly white centered. It's never really occurred to me that oh yeah, maybe we should have one about the black experience. So Spike Lee really did kind of fill that role. It's weird though. It's Spike. He you know this is him with a blank check from Netflix. He's kind of yeah. it gets a little messy and weird. And Delroy Lindo has some fun with it, but. It's, oh, it's man. worthwhile. It's worth your time. Definitely. Del Orlando's amazing. I, I mean, the, the cast looks looks dope. I, as far as Spike goes for me, I think, you know, it's one of those things. It's either a huge hit or a huge miss for me. Yeah. So, you know, which I kind of like. I like a polarizing director. You know, mm. I like going into something knowing it could be an absolute train wreck for me personally, or it could be <laughs> like an amazing experience where I want to watch the movie over and over again. So, So I'm definitely excited for that part of it. Yeah, I look forward to, to hearing your thoughts, uh, perhaps in the group chat, on what you think of The Five Bloods, because I'm pretty sure several of us have already seen it. As you can see, I gave it a 7 out of 10. Uh, looks like everyone else Ooh, is out there. So. Yeah. Damn, Don, you're a hard grader, man. I wouldn't want to take your class. Seven's good, and this thing is easily 20 minutes too long. I mean, I love you, Spike, but, I mean, come on, tighten up. But that's what you get when you when you get that Netflix money and no editor and just Spike, you know, 40 acres and a mule just wilding out. So, But, you know, I'm glad it exists in the world. It is, you know, pretty artistic. It's a good time. or It's interesting, at the very least. And it's, you know, it fills a niche. Anything yeah, else you're watching you want to bring up, Jay Devlin? Well, your 7 out of 10 is fine, because I'll tell you what my motto in college was. C's get degrees, my man. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and sometimes they become our president. Look at you, W. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right, so if, if there's nothing else, we will go right into our top five costume <laughs> dramas. And basically for those of you who are new to – there we go. Stop there he is. You look there, at the beard, yeah. man. Uh, yeah. you're, looking so, like, you're looking like Cornell West. Look at you. 
Gee, thanks. But every every guy wants to keep. <laughs> actually, yeah. So, anyways, uh, basically, yeah, Cornelius. Actually, Cornelius might be back. He was out of the wilderness from the Obama administration. We might be coming back. Come back to us, Cornelius. Come back. And actually, true story, quick cultural cul de because that's what we do right here. He, I uh, read Race Matters in freshman comp uh, at uh, Morehouse, and I just fell in love with his stuff. And he came to speak to our class. He speak to like uh, two or three of our classes combined. And I've never seen a better extemporaneous speaker in my life. Cornell West off the top of his dome just like will take you on a journey and it will make sense. And his, his sentences are paragraphs. And I love the dude. He got a little crazy in his later years, but it seems like he's coming back just now. So come on back, Cornell. Come on back. Yeah, I mean, you hang on every word when he speaks. I mean, he's he's a treasure for sure. Yeah, great hair too. Great hair. I hope that great hair. Hair. Yeah, great. And you know, I, I love that. What are we gonna do a, a top five hair movies? I mean, you know, I'm a guy that loves. I love some good hair. I'm writing that down. Own, that, I want to do some hair movies. Top five hair movies. That will be your next appearance. I'm literally writing this down. <laughs> you want me to give you a little? I'm gonna give you a little. I'm gonna give you a little appetizer. I'm gonna give you a little amuse bouche, as they like to call it in the restaurant world. All right. Get me. Get me. Legends of the Fall, one of the great hair movies in the history of cinema. Brad Pitt as Tristan flowing. I can flowing. see it. I can see it. Yeah. So that's um, just, okay. All right. I'm sorry. I was wanting more. I was like, what else is that? That hair brand of yours, <laughs> literally. <laughs> okay. So we're going to do top five costume draws to simplify what the requirements are since Jay Dillon did ask and I was a little unsure myself. It is going to be uh, movies that are set in time periods before the 20th century. So truly costumes, truly men with rouge, as Jay Devlin would call them. Men with, men rouge. with rouge, yes. Rouge yes. up men. Yeah, so we will alternate picks. Once someone picks a movie, that movie is out of play. And of course, as our guest and the all-time appearance leader, I think this is your 32nd appearance on the Sundrop podcast. Oh, yeah, that's like over a third probably of our podcast. Go ahead and you get the first pick and I'll share my screen. Alright, so I'm going to start it off, man, with one of the, you know, one of, one of the late great actors we've ever had in the history of the uh, the, the profession of thespianism. Uh, my man Heath Ledger in oh. in a very underrated film called A Knight's Tale. Alright? Ah, okay. I, mean, I love A Knight's Tale. Take me back to the, the, the round tables, jousting. You got a young Paul Bettany in there. You got a super smoking hot Shanna Sossaman who just disappeared. Who you, oh. you thought you thought she, she was hot? She had like a nice two three year stretch. She was very hot. Yes, she had a she had a quick Pedro Martinez like run, and then she <laughs> fell off the planet. I liken her career to uh, to Mark Fidrich of the Tigers. If you remember his career back in the late sixties. Anyway, I yeah, digress. I digress. A little sports trivia for our people out there. I know we got some sports fans. But yeah, great movie, man. Mark Addy, Paul Bettany, just a fun little thrill ride, man. Makes you laugh, and uh, I'm gonna lead it off with a Knight's Tale. That's a good one, and yeah, I remember the Knight's Tale. I might have actually even owned it. I, I enjoyed a Knight's Tale, yeah, and, and true Keith Ledger throwing, you know, just just really charismatic. The early aughts, what a time to be alive. We were all still innocent and young before nine eleven all sort of stuff. So yes, a Knight's Tale, well done. Um, all right, so I'm going to take what, at least for me, is a fairly obvious one off the board because it's fairly recent, and it's The Favorite. And this one is set in Queen Anne's Court, uh, 
I mean, I don't, I didn't know much about Queen Anne, the monarch. I mean, we're talking like, I don't know, what's that? 18th century England, early 18th century England. But it was great when it came out. Uh, you have Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss, 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 yeah, Rachel Weiss, uh, facing off for the affections or attention of Olivia Coleman, who won an Oscar for playing Queen Anne, who was very quirky. And, and in the marketing of this movie, I admire the way they marketed it because they made it seem like it was going to be this really funny thrill ride or whatever. But honestly, it's a drama. But they heightened up, they played up the quirky parts to kind of get you in the theater. And honestly, it worked. It was really fun. Uh, there were some funny moments, but it's pretty much a drama. You have like Emma Stone's lowly cousin of Rachel Weiss who comes to court and she's trying to make a way for herself. And Rachel Weiss is just like really mean and nasty to her. So it's got a little bit of a mean girls element to it set in Queen Anne's court. And then you got, you know, Queen Anne's super quirky. And then it becomes just this whole social climbing uh, drama uh, uh, and, and comedy of, of errors and manners. And you also have in what kicked off a really good, you know, men with rouge type run for him. Oh. Nicholas Holt. There he is. Powdered wig, rouged cheeks, funky shoes and tights, and he's killing it. And I'm not sure if you've seen The Great. Uh, if you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's on Hulu. He is awesome as Peter, the, as well, not, he's not even Peter the Great. He's just Peter uh, in that one as the, the czar of Russia. But he kicked off, I think, a really good stretch of, of, of anachronistic roles with this role in Favorite. All right, let me get a quick question. You know, I gotta I gotta hijack you occasionally and sidebar you, tangent you, whatever you want to call it. Cultural Emma, code sack. Emma Good. Stone, very polarizing actress, right? I Is feel she? like a lot people either love her or despise her. Quick, real quick, your favorite Emma Stone movie. Other than this one, obviously. Uh, well, first one comes to mind is Easy A. I mean, that's kind of what really had her break out for us. I mean, you know, high school version of Scarlet Letter. That was great. Um, that's first one came to mind. But also, and I know it gets a lot of shit, and I don't know why. Probably because it lost to Moonlight. But I love La La Land. I think it's a great movie. It makes you want to run out and fall in love. And I'm not like a huge musical guy, but I love La La Land. So La La Land uh, for mature Emma Stone, Easy A for on the verge Emma Stone. And I guess also she was great in Superbad too, but Easy A just sprung to mind first. Yeah, I, I probably skew to the side of I'm I'm an Emma Stone fan. I just, my, uh, we just watched Easy A the other night, and I did find it entertaining. But for me, yeah. Crazy Stupid Love is just oh, yeah. wheelhouse it is Oscar Robertson's triple double year. It is perfection. <laughs> Fantastic movie. Great job by her. That's my favorite Emma Stone movie. Yeah, and actually, I think we did a live rewatch about a few months ago on Twitter of Crazy Stupid Love. So I definitely can see that. Yeah, that's good. All right, so go ahead. What's your second movie? All right, my second movie. I'm I'm doing. I'm not as I'm not as serious with mine. You're getting like deep into like the dudes with the ponytails, like this guy. You're get you're getting deep. I'm gonna go with. My guy, Johnny Depp, in a little bit of legal trouble these days. All right, he's having some issues with his ex-wife. That being said, <laughs> The Curse of the Black Pearl, come on. Oh, God, yes, yes. Movie, the rest of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies were absolute, pardon my French draft bomb, fucking trash. All right, <laughs> the rest of those movies were awful. The first one was absolute perfection. Perfection. From start. Oh to absolute finish. I mean, I, there's not even enough you can say about it. I'm just going to let it hang out there. Phenomenal movie, great costume drama, comedy, whatever you want to call it. Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Top that one, Eduardo. 
Yasafi? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I can't. I mean, honestly, that might be the best one that's mentioned all night. I mean, it it's it is technically a costume drama. They are it's before the twentieth century. They're all you know. I mean, he's got the the guy liner and everything. I mean, you know, they're using accents. I mean, yeah, I dig it. I like that. I I've got nothing to add. I, but since you came out with a heavy hitter, I'm coming with a heavy hitter of my own. Damn it! And this one is somewhat informative of our. Mm, I guess youth-ish, and it's Dangerous Liaisons. I mean, anytime you mention costume drama, this has to come at the top of the list, damn it. So Dangerous much Li- Rouge. So yeah, much yeah. Rouge. Yeah. D- uh, Dangerous Liaisons, John Malkovich, re- I mean, he was already a star before this, but he really established himself in this. I think he got nominated. I think everyone got nominated for this. Michelle Pfeiffer, Glenn Close. It's so good, damn it. And I think it's based off of a play or something, but it was so good that they made a teenage version called Cruel Intentions. That's how good Dangerous Liaisons was as a film. And it just works all around. I mean, just Keanu Reeves, I forgot, totally young Keanu Reeves wearing that wig, damn it. Wear that wig, young Keanu. Everyone's in the sucker. It's hot. It's sexy. It's funny. It's smart. And there is drama. And I'm gonna let that one hang out there, damn it. What do you got to say about Dangerous Liaisons? Well, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I've never seen it. Um, no. oh. And uh, I'm going to also be honest with you a second time. I probably never will. Uh, that being oh, no. said. Oh, uh, no. Why, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why, why, why won't Jay Devlin give the people what they want and see Dangerous Liaisons? I, I mean, look, I got eight more seasons of Survivor left. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the powdered wig era, not really my, my steez, you know, not my particular taste bud. Uh, but I'm sure it's pretty good. I didn't love Cruel Intentions either. I don't know if that's a hot take. Oh, that uh, is a hot take. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. I don't know. Reese Witherspoon to me is just like kind of overrated. I grew up with the Meg Ryan, man. Meg um, Ryan is my sweetheart. All right. Well, you and, you like them cute and cuddly. I mean, Reese will give as much as good as she gets. <laughs> and, and look, I love Sweet Home Alabama. I can go, uh, a, a lot of good stuff. That being said, I'm going to let you know this. The best Keanu Reeves costume drama is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, okay. I guess technically, sure. Is is that your next pick? No, it's not. So I, I have two left. <laughs> so this one, this is a perfect little segue, Ed. You know, I'm the king of the segue. Right. Uh, my period or costume drama actually involves the aforementioned Meg Ryan. Okay. And it is a beautiful. I am a sucker for a little bit of time travel, maybe a wormhole. Give me a little Kate and Leopold. What? Wow. What? Wow. Where did that come from? Hugh Jackman and all of his Hugh Jackman glory. Like, it, nobody was happy. I'll bet you he never changed out of that, like, outfit he was in the entire time he shot the movie. You know, Brecken Myers still kind of holding on to a career a Man. little bit there. You know, <laughs> it was fading fast, but he was still, you know, he was a third fiddle in a pretty big movie. Meg Ryan, super cute. Loved Kate and Leopold. Romantic comedy, good stuff. What do you think? Well, I mean, Liam Schreiber, too. Wow. Uh, so this actually, once again, a simpler time. This is before 9-11. Uh, I think this was like a late summer entry, if I have this correct. And I kind of remember going to see it, but I didn't really want to see it. Like, I, I I like Meg Ryan, like, like everybody else. I like, you know, you know Hugh Jackman, who was on the rise. But I just, I just didn't, I mean, the, the premise wasn't really for me. But I went and saw it, and I remember enjoying it. There's probably some review kicking around the internet somewhere from The Real Deal reviews with a Z from the street and where I was like, oh, I'm, pre- I'm pleasantly surprised at Kate Leopold, but it was charming. I remember enjoying it. Super charming movie. And like you said, man, like it, it would be like seeing Pearl Jam playing it at TGI Fridays at a Seattle strip mall. 
You got in. <laughs> you got in early on Hugh Jackman, man. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he probably went from Kate and Leopold over to a little swordfish with Halle Berry. Right? <laughs> and then, and then the rise started, dude. So you you could really see Hugh was going to be a star. Meg Ryan probably lost four or five miles on her fastball by then. But you know she was she was Jamie Moyer, bro. She was still getting people out. <laughs> Jamie still- Moyer, deep cut. You know what? Baltimore favorite and also a Seattle favorite. So you're already ingratiating yourself to your soon to be Annapolis neighbors. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I do I do a little a little bit of prep before this show, buddy. So so yeah, Jamie. I mean, she was great. I, I enjoyed Kate and Leopold. Super cute movie, costume drama. Uh, yeah, that, that's uh, that's where I'm at. This is fun. See, you told me to do this. I had no idea what I was looking for. Uh-huh. And then the minute I went down into the costume drama lifestyle, I realized I like a lot of these movies. You're feeling it. You're feeling it. Huh? All right. Well, I'm going to take – Well, all right. So for my third pick, I'm going to go with one that actually came out recently. And it's a remake. Well, they've all been remade. But it, this is Emma. Not Emma Stone, but just Emma with a period. Uh-huh. Not, yeah. not Emma in 1996, which was great. You know, Gwyneth Paltrow, she, oh man, talk about costume drama stretch. Like her in the yeah. 90s and, and, and anything with like tights or a British accent. She's Pick all over love. it. Yeah. yeah, all over it. Um, damn, I should have done that one. Anyways, uh, Emma, <laughs> Emma is, is, it's fun. It's subversive. It's very, very quirky. And, and, you know, and I love her. Her name is Anya Taylor Joy. I, I was first exposed to her in, um, uh, that uh, uh, James McAvoy one where Split. I, I was first exposed to her in Split. She's great in that. For some reason, it's super easy for British actresses to do a damn American accent. I, I'm kind of jealous. But she was great in that. And here she is in her native you know, uh, uh, English accent playing Emma, a very meddlesome little matchmaker type uh, chick back in, in what's down of 17th century England or whatever. And it's great. Because she, I mean, everything's all in her face. She's got these great big eyes. She's very uh, clever and, and sly. She's got, it shouldn't have like all the men tripping after her or whatever, but she's always like meddling. And I like a good kind of like meddlesome type drama or whatever. And there's this guy I also want to mention before I forget. Let me see if I can find his picture. Uh, his name is Josh. Oh, man, what, oh, I'm get, oh, and she was great also. She's in um, uh, sex education. She's, she always plays younger than she is. She's got this really, Really rubbery face. She's really, she's really good in Emma as well. But there's uh and but there's a guy named Josh. He plays the the pastor in this. Uh what's his name? Josh McConnell. Josh McDonnell. Anyways, he was he played uh, Charles in uh, in The Crown season three. He played like a young prince uh, Prince Charles in, in The Crown season three, and he's <laughs> great as the, as the quirky pastor. In the, there he is. Oh yeah, Josh yeah, yeah, yeah he's good. He's so good. So see it for come for Anya Taylor Joy. Stay for Josh O'Connor. Emma, I like. It. I might be able to if we're if we're doing five. I can de- definitely dig up another one. But uh, okay. in the four hole, that and clean up for me. Um, you know, one of my favorite actors of all time, Sean Connery. Uh, it, one of the great taglines right. in movie history. Okay, there can be only one. Highlander. Highlander. <laughs> Let's go. Christopher Lambert, Connor McCloud. You got a uh, Clancy Brown was one of the great '80s villains, like yeah. of all time. He's he still played, kind of villain if you watch Billions. He's he plays a good asshole. <laughs> oh, he plays an amazing asshole. I mean, Cl- Clancy Brown is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, if you haven't seen Highlander, I haven't. Yeah, there, was, there was a t- you haven't. I haven't. This oh came out in '86. I was like nine. <laughs> 
Dude, I know what you're doing tonight. You, you got to fire up some Highlander. It is an absolute thrill ride. Just phenomenal. Sean Connery is just like, I mean, I can't even explain. He's like a Spaniard conquistador. All right. <laughs> I mean, he is, he's just phenomenal. Just a really good movie. A lot of ponytails. And, uh, yeah, just a just a solid flick, man. Check out some Highlander again. Some time so, so travel. Tell, tell me, tell me, give me the elevator pitch. What's it about? So basically, well, the, the, there's a group. It's not time travel. It's a group of people that can live forever, right? Okay. So, but they're fighting each other and killing each other off until there is only one left. <laughs> so Connor McLeod, like the movie starts back in like the 1500s, right? Yeah. And he meets uh, Sean Connery. Sean Connery takes him under his wing, like he, like Mr. Miyagi teaches him how to survive, and then as time passes, they take it to modern-day New York City in the 80s. Kurgan, Clancy Brown is the last of the two Highlanders, him and uh, him and Christopher Lambert. They fight it out in a parking garage. I won't tell you what happens. Check it out. Great movie. Highlander. There can be only one. All right. Well, I'm going to add that to my never-ending list. So, so a funny thing you mentioned, Highlander. I, I was mentioning to you off-air how I was talking to, to my poker buddy from Scotland, from Glasgow, uh, and he was giving me some some uh, uh, some movies to watch as well. And it's just, I mean, I'm already predisposed to the Scots having spent an entire season in Outlander uh, and the Sassanacs and all that good stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with it. I can, I can put Highlander on this damn list. Yeah, let's let's do that. Let me put. Yeah, let me add this. I'm very excited. All right, you should live. You should live tweet while you watch Highlander. <laughs> Is that good, huh? That's right. that good. All right, so let's. So my fourth one. Well, I, I already kind of said it. It'd be super lame, but I, I can't leave it out there. You might just take it. it. It is Shakespeare in Love. It gets a lot of shit because I, because people didn't expect it to win the Best Picture Oscar, or whatever. I was fine with it. I loved Shakespeare in Love. I I think I owned it on DVD for the longest time. Uh, I mean, everyone is just super, super uh, telegenic and charismatic. And, I mean, even Ben Affleck does a decent English accent. I enjoyed it. Judy Dench won an Oscar for nine minutes of screen time. It's like some sort of record as, uh, as Queen Elizabeth. It was great. So I really enjoyed it. Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, I mean... She's. I, mean, I, won't, I won't lie. I thought she's kind of hot. I mean, she still is kind of hot. She she's aged very well. She's well preserved, and she seems kind of born and made for these type of movies. These costume dramas with corsets and accents and deep smoldering looks in stage plays. Like, I'm with it. What did, what did you think of Shakespeare in Love? Or have you seen Shakespeare in Love? No, I have. I've seen it a few times. I mean, uh, who's that? Ray Fiennes. Uh, is that Ray Fiennes or Joseph Joseph Fiennes? Fiennes? Yeah, Ray Fiennes' little brother. Yeah, it's little brother. Um, yeah, I, I, it was a good movie. I, I dug it, man. It was uh, it was just enough Affleck. Yeah. Like, it, if it was more Affleck, it would have been too much Affleck. You know, he kind of just came in, nailed like four or five scenes, whatever, like perfect with this weird. You know, he was. What dying. is the play? And what is my part? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good flick. I, I have nothing, nothing bad to say about Shakespeare in Love. I'm not, I'm not a huge uh, Paltrow guy, but, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a good flick. Yeah, and this is actually right in the middle of her of her real late nineties heat check. She it was like this. She was in bounce, and I think she's also dating Ben Affleck at the time too. But uh, she was she was a bit of a thing in the late nineties for us millennials, for the stringers in the world. I saw you that last time we had our pod, and you trying to make me feel old. I ain't old, damn it. Stringer likes making everybody feel old. That's like one of his one of his go to moves, man. Uh, I had no idea he was that fucking yeah. It was, it's wild because every movie I threw up. Uh, I think what were we doing? I think we we're doing uh, 
top, I don't know, throw, uh, futuristic movies, whatever. Every movie I was throwing up was like before he was born, and he made sure to let me know about it. It was pretty funny. He's like, no, what are you talking about? I'm not picking that. <laughs> I got news from Stringer. He might be 33, but his hairline is 53. Oh, burn. Let's go. Let's That's going go. in the group chat. You heard it here. All right, so hey, that was my fourth one. What's your fifth one? <laughs> uh, real quick, let's do a quick little uh, cultural cul-de-sac. Gwyneth sure. Paltrow, like, you're talking about she was throwing fastballs. She was ha- having a great, like, late 90s. Yeah. I- I'm having a hard, like, she was, I, I love the movie A Perfect Murder, but that okay. wasn't necessarily a Paltrow movie. That was a, a Vigo, Michael Douglas movie, but she was very good at it. What has she been really good in? All right, so she was, she was good in Emma. Sliding Doors, which eh. as, as a movie was just okay, but it kind of, it it has survived the cultural lexicon as far as like that one moment where, you know, things go, you know, either in one or two directions. That's kind of survived as that. She was great, great expectations. I'm not sure if you saw it. I'm, oh. I've got an English degree. I went oh and watched it. It God, was her, good. her catalog is so depressing. Scroll up a little bit. <laughs> Shakespeare, none of, none Shakespeare of these movies Shakespeare. are fun. All of well, these drama. Are- She's a dramatic actress. She's not a comedian. Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums is all right. I don't know. Love love is great. What are you talking? Oh wow. Okay. Bounce she, was great. No people slept on bounce. No one liked bounce. I loved bounce. I thought it was really, really affecting. Um yeah. Mr. Ripley. I mean, it's telling Mr. Ripley. She was great in that. Yeah. Paltrow, way, way overrated, man. Okay. Well, you know what? You you have affirmed the fact that you're not a Paltrow fan. Because yes, and these are these are all are almost all mostly dramas. I mean, Sylvia Plath, I mean, come on. I mean, Sylvia Plath, it's the drama. I mean, proof. I mean, you know, she is to me. She's like the Josh Hartnett of female actress of actresses. Ouch. You take that back. You take that back. Yeah. I mean, the Pepper Pot stuff, Iron Man, that's fine. But yeah, I'm just, I'm not a Paltrow guy, man. I I don't know. Fair enough. But you know what? Uh, Actually, uh, speaking of Paltrow, coming this Friday, late Thursday night, is season two of The Politician. Did you watch the first season? I did not. Yeah, that was that was fun. She actually she's actually playing a mother, so I uh, I don't know if that makes you more uh, disposed for or not. But I thought she was pretty good in the, in the politician, and I don't know. I, you know, what, I guess you're you're I'm a Paltrow fan. You're a Paltrow tolerator, and that's fine. Be yeah, you're being nice by calling me a tolerator because I'm, I'm just I think she's trash. You're uh, out. You're um, out. All right, my fifth one. This is actually probably one of my. This is a top. I'm not going to go crazy and say it's a top five. This is probably a top 10 all-time movie for me. Right. Um, I just love this movie, and every time it's on, I, I wherever it is, I generally end up watching most of it or part of it. Uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, wow. Uh, Jim Caviezel, Guy Pierce, uh, Richard Harris is, like, one of the, the best. I, I love Richard Harris. Everything Richard Harris is in, he's, he's freaking phenomenal. Um, yeah. You know, Luis Guzman. Luis Guzman is, like, an all-time, like, that guy. Whoa, this is Henry Cavill? Holy shit! I mean, I had no idea. Look how young he looks. Yeah, absolutely, just just a phenomenal movie. Not, Count of Monte Cristo. If you haven't seen, obviously, it's been remade over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just it, it's acted really well. Uh, James Frame, yeah. quick cold sack. James Frame. He's he is one of those that guys who always works. He's always good in everything he does, and he's an excellent villain. An excellent, oh, excellent. He's villain. an excellent villain, man. There's yeah. a lot of that guys in this. Even like a young Henry Cavill, you know, who became Superman, is in this movie. He plays at Albert Mondego, Guy wow. Pearce's son. Um, yeah, just the famous Alexander Dumas story, and uh, 
just a really good movie, man. It's really well acted. The story flows nicely. And, you know, I, I'm just in for County Monarch. I'm always in for revenge. <laughs> you I'm, know, I'm you know always me, down for some revenge, whether it's this, whether it's Ransom with Mel Gibson, you name it, I'm in. Well, so the thing about Count of Monte Cristo, obviously, you know, I mentioned the, the English thing before. We've ha- I've had to read it for s- some class here, there, or the other. But when I was a kid, I mean, you know, super nerd alert. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter. We all know I'm a nerd here. I was the sixth grade spelling bee champion. We covered that a couple weeks ago. Now we're going into the depths of my childhood. I would get, and I don't know if you remember these, the Jay Devlin. I would get these 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 books they were like illustrated classics they would basically abridge like all the they basically do the highlights of all of these classic books like dickens like great expectations mm-hmm. and two cities whatever and they have illustrations so you have one page of text one page of pictures and they would do the whole book like that and they were like i don't know you know no more than 150 pages each and i would read all those little classics i forget the exact title of those but there it was a series of books and count of monte cristo was one of them and that's how i was first exposed to that book and i and yeah so i was i was down for that i saw this in the theater i enjoyed it but i haven't seen it again so i'm i'm actually glad you brought it up because this is bringing back some some memories and also i mean and also where else do you get to see a young fresh-faced skinny henry cavill <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just uh, I don't know. I just I just really dig that. My fa- one of my favorite scenes is the the Caviezel scene where he gives the toast at uh, at the dinner table for Albert's birthday. And I, I won't do the monologue, but just <laughs> one of my favorite monologues, one of my favorite speeches in any movie. And Caviezel, the guy, the guy played Jesus Christ. And yeah, this is, this is still his best role. <laughs> So. Well said. And, and give it up for Guy Pierce. Still getting them checks. Still looks roughly the same. I watched this terrible, uh, I think it was a Netflix movie the other day that he was on. Came in under the radar. Something about like a near future where there's like a, a prison calling in outer space. And you could tell he's totally mailing it in for the paycheck. It's a totally terrible movie. And he's totally having fun with it because he's like, you know what? Fuck this. No one's going to see this. I'm just getting a check. I, I'm, a, I'm one of these weird actors with with low self-esteem so i must always be working <laughs> in anything and so that's what he did yeah it was called uh what was it? he had um what's his face was in it um uh, it, it, anyways uh, there's uh there's like only like two recognizable people in it but he's in there you know half acting cracking wise having fun and i'm like you know what live your best life uh uh Live your, live your best life, guy. I, I can't even hate on you. Get your get your checks. It's not even listed here. That's how anonymous this thing is. Wow, that's wild. <laughs> this movie's this movie's not even listed here. It just came out. That's or, may, or maybe it came out in 2014. That's what it was. So this guy will, will always be working. He looks roughly the same. Australian, master of accents, has a huge wide range. I'm just gonna give it up for Guy Pierce real quick. Quick cultural cul-de-sac. I like that dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Guy Pierce guy, man. He, he's pretty tough. My other request is when I'm on again, can we please do best prison movies? Oh, shit. That's a great idea, actually. I, I would, I mean, prison movies would be, I, we would need two hours because I got about 30 I want to talk about. <laughs> Fine. That, that might be our first ever top 10. <laughs> and and I'll Tango, Tango and Cash is absolutely a prison movie. Oh, wow. Uh, and of course, Shawshank. You want to go say Shawshank? Uh, Shawshank's overrated. Thank you. I didn't Don't want to say that. Don't think Paltrow can just, like, I'm good, dude. I'm out. I'm out on those two. All right, no more with Paltrow Harris to you. I'm going to do my last movie, and that is Lady Macbeth. Have you heard of this one? I have. Oh, have you seen it? No. 
So this is what really, really gave us Florence Pugh. Now, I, now I actually went back and watched this after I'd saw Florence Pugh in the miniseries uh, Little Drummer Girl, in, in which she was great. She was absolutely outstanding in this. She's super hot, super young. She's super charismatic. And this movie, this is a Florence Pugh delivery vehicle. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how familiar you are with Florence Pugh and her oeuvre. It's still kind of being fashion. I don't think she's had like more than maybe a dozen high profile roles, but this movie is just her plot in a bad marriage back in, you know, you know, whatever century Scotland or whatever. And, and she's just plotting on a way to, to, to get out of this loveless marriage. She has the affair with like the stable boy, you know, so cliche. But then everything goes awry and it just gets weird and creepy. And it's all about her. And I love it entirely. Lady freaking Macbeth. I'm going to be honest with you. Other than uh, Shakespeare in Love, I've seen none of your movies. <laughs> Thank you. That, that's the. <laughs> I will check them out. I will check a few of them out, though, for sure. You got to check out Highlander, though. Oh, I, it's on my list. I, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's on my list. As, as soon as you can pull yourself away from Survivor, and as soon as I can pull myself away from Outlander, we'll check each other's movies out. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, look at look at Florence Pugh, just a queen, damn it, a young queen. Captions World. She's going to be in Black Widow whenever the hell that comes out. She's got a whole bunch of shit lined up. Let's do a quick cultural pew, cultural pew, cultural coast of Florence Pugh. <laughs> Quick deep dive. I mean, not a huge filmography, okay. 17 credits, but she was in Little Women, Midsommar, which is really disturbing. She was in that. Fighting with My Family, which is kind of dumb, but she's fine in it. I mean, and, and yeah, and, and, and Little Drummer Girl was just, was, was excellent. Totally Dude, excellent. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, like 2020 has been so wild. I, I'm just ready for a reset. I'm ready for new people. I, I'm just re- I'm ready for, I, I want to meet new people in these movies. And, and this girl is definitely, one of them. I'm excited for the Black Widow movie. I'm sure she's going to be great. Uh, like maybe that's the Paltrow thing. I'm just sick of the same people over and over and over again being in these movies that we talk about. Give me some fresh faces. Fair, fair enough. And honestly, she's only 24, even though she's dating 40 year old Zach Braff. Hashtag goals. Well done, Zach. Uh, so I mean, she's going to be with us for a very, very long time. And you know what? Boom. That ends that segment. That's good shit. Great. I mean, great picks, Jay Devlin. I obviously have my homework cut out for me. Right now, we're going to take a quick break to bring people up to speed on the Cinema Draft game and the Draft Dream game variant on how it's played and what it's all about. So we'll be right back after this. Movie theaters are on a hiatus, but we here at Cinema Draft are not. Draft Stream is the streaming content version of the Cinema Draft game you know and love. Just like with Cinema Draft, you have a $100,000 salary cap for a 10-actor call sheet, no more, no less. But in this one, you have to have at least one of three actor types for your 10-actor call sheet. One headliner, a co-star, and a day player. Scoring is based on weighted averages of Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic scores, plus audience and user scores. Headliners get a 40% bonus, while co-stars receive a 20% bonus over day player points. The game runs from Thursday evening to Monday afternoon, with daily updates on Saturday and Sunday before final scoring after Monday, 12 p.m. Pacific time. Currently, we are alpha testing DraftStream in a rudimentary spreadsheet-based format, while we work on adapting it for digital play. Tweaks happen almost weekly due to player feedback. We really need the data, so please help us out and play the game. 
Often, there is a $50 prize pool with $35 going to first and $15 going to second for the top two non-Cinema Draft employee players. A link to the most current talent pool is included in the podcast description. Please review the Rules tab and submit your call sheet by Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Thanks for your help, and good luck. And we're back. All right, so our over-under has been mothballed until the season reopened, and please take your time, theaters. Regal, you announced today you're coming back on July 10th. Why? No one's going to your fucking theater. Same with you, AMC. Just, just stop. Just, just stop. Anyways, uh, since we're doing something different until theaters reopen, we're doing the quarantine movie of the week. Last week it was The Night Clerk, which I'm not sure if you've seen this, Jay Devil, but this was a nice, tight, old, like 90-minute uh, mystery-ish thriller. Uh, Ty Sheridan plays like an autistic guy who uh, who works at a hotel who's obsessed with Otto Arms, aren't we all? <laughs> aren't we all? And uh, yeah, and so, and so that was the, the quarantine movie of the week last week. This week, let me share my screen. We are going to do. There we go. We are going to do Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. Show me the money. I love black people. <laughs> so I mean, I'm this whole movie. Cry, Roy. I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> this whole movie is quotable. I mean, uh, it's it's so good. Everyone's everyone's yeah. Uh, well, I would say everyone's young and hungry, but everyone's just at, is is well. This actually really kind of gave us Renee Zellweger. I mean, she'd been around Empire Records, things of that nature, but this is what really elevated or elevated her into high B, A minus list status or what have you. I mean, Tom Cruise, top of his game, super charismatic. I remember hearing that he was going to play a sports agent back in, I was like, I think I heard about me, 92, 93. I think the movie came out in 95 or, oh, 96. And I was like, really? That seems kind of slow for Tom Cruise. Like, Tom Cruise is like, you know, doing these big historical dramas and, and jumping off airplanes. Just started Mission Impossible series uh, in 95. Like, what's he doing just playing a sports agent? But he really poured his heart and soul into this. It was really, really good. A sports agent who gets a conscience, leaves a big agency with just his accountant with him, and is out there on a wing and a prayer with one client, the crazy Oscar-winning Cuba Gooding Jr. What, 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 other, what other thoughts do you have about Jerry Maguire? Well, hey, one of the best Oscar speeches of all time uh, by Cuba. Uh, I was, it's funny you picked this movie because literally two nights ago, uh, you know, my girlfriend's, one of her daughters was over, who's 20, and we're trying to figure something out to watch. And she said, I've never seen a Tom Cruise movie. And as probably, look, I'm an unapologetic Tom Cruise fan. I don't care about Scientology. I don't care about jumping on couches. I don't care how weird he is. The, Me dude, the dude brings the heat every single time in everything he does. He has the greatest movie catalog of any actor in the history of movie making. And oh. I, I, I will die on that hill. There's nobody even a close second. The guy's got 40, 30 years of incredible movies. Anyway, we watched Jerry Maguire. She absolutely loved it. I loved watching it for the 50th time. And, <laughs> yeah, j- just a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Everybody kills it. Renee Zellweger, I guess I would say this. Watching it again, I got a little depressed about old Renee. Oh, uh, how so? She, she was just, she was really good, and she was cute, and it was a Cameron Crowe movie, and it was all that, all those things. 
And then I just feel like, and this is uh, this is saying something, considering Tom Cruise is weird as shit. <laughs> she just got weird after this movie. Hold like on, she got weird, or Hollywood got weird with her? It all got weird. Her face got weird. Uh, like, she just did think, I don't know, I, I liken it to, who was in Dirty Dancing? What, what was her name? With the Jennifer mole? Gray, yeah. Jennifer no, Gray. Like, yeah. the mole was what made you interesting. Look at Cindy Crawford. That's what made her famous. Then she gets rid of the mole, Jennifer Gray, and she's just like everybody else. I don't know. Renee Zellweger looks like she had a facelift at like 38 years old, about 30 years too early. Uh, that was depressing. That, But that, all that aside, phenomenal movie, Jerry Maguire, probably a top eight movie of all time. Yeah, and there's a whole – I haven't really read the article. I think there's like a whole like long article on uh, in with Renee Zellweger's kind of run-up to winning the Oscar for Judy, which was, it was a fine movie. Judy was fine. She does a really – she has a really good Judy Garland impersonation in it. It's it's fine. Um, and it, but there was like a whole like article about like what happened to Renee Zellweger and like you know basically since when she was hot in the in the late nineties, early aughts, whatever to now. And it really is kind of like a textbook case of like a combination of Hollywood sexism, insecurities, and plastic surgery all kind of coalescing into one career with with a. Uh, uh, with Renee Zellweger, so it is kind of it is yeah. kind of uh, tragic to an extent. But she it seemed, she won an Oscar at you know at, uh, just last year, so it's not like she's she's invisible. Like she still is doing stuff now. If you saw that that show, um, was it What's Next or What If? That's what it is. What If on Netflix? Yeah. Terrible show, but she's interesting in it. <laughs> she's Look, I feel work. like if you read, she's like Chris Webber to me. If you redid their career ten times. It's going to be better probably eight of the ten times. Absolutely. I, I know she won an Oscar, but, like, other than Jerry Maguire, nothing she did other than marrying Kenny Chesney is terribly <laughs> memorable uh, other than other than what she did to her face. Oh, no. Well, uh, that's the point. Actually, let me see. I, I just want to challenge that real quick. Just see if there's – well, Chicago. She was great in Chicago. You remember Chicago? Yeah, yeah but, see, she reminds me of, like, Ro- the character Robert Downey Jr. plays in Tropic Thunder. Uh-huh. Where she's so method that like she's gonna wake up in a trash can in Burbank because she's playing <laughs> Neil Armstrong, you know. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, something about her just like it's a little much for me. But she's well, phenomenal in the movie. Yeah, I don't want to take away from Jerry Maguire. I don't want to get sidetracked on the old Renee Zellweger. But, uh, you're right, right, but I, I will say in her defense, Chicago, Cold Mountain was good, and then also um, the the Bridget Jones, at least the first two. I like the first two. Okay, Bridget Jones was was solid, but again, yeah. you're scrolling down her IMDb, man. It's like one of Paltrow's. I like, I'm depressed. Well, it gets. I mean, I mean look at this I, gap like, from 2010 to 2016, a six year gap. That's Hollywood at work, right there. That's Hollywood yeah. saying we don't want to do with you. Fuck it, just don't work. <laughs> And then she has to come back to like Bridget Jones' baby or something, which was just un- unmemorable to say. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't even realize that was a thing, man. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, dude, look, if anybody's listening to this podcast that's never seen Jerry Maguire, that, that will shock me. But it's just one of those timeless flicks, man. I mean, it's so insanely quotable. Yeah. Like, it is, it is such a quotable movie. It's just so good. Yeah, and also a good Kelly Preston too. Don't oh, yeah. stop! Look at me. <laughs> so good. You are not right. a loser. Yes. <laughs> Who said anything about loser? <laughs> so good. All right. So yes, that is our quarantine movie of the week. Give me your tweet length review at Play Cinema Draft on Twitter, and we'll definitely get into it. <laughs> Time for our draft stream update. 
Somebody was a naughty boy. You did not grace us with your presence last week. So I want to get your well, thoughts. I have a bone to pick with you. That's why. I, okay. was, on, I was on strike. Oh, uh-oh. What happened? What, what uh, we did? I mean, I, I'm a little – so look. So I, I've made it known that my strategy going into this game is I know you so well, and I know the Cinema Draft game so well mm. that I don't know any of these TV shows that you're or, or Netflix shows or movies or whatever you're putting up there. But I know how you price things. Okay. So I've, I've, my entire strategy is based on how you price things. Okay. And the week that you decide to go multi-entry and give <laughs> all these guys three entries, I said no. I did one single bullet that probably would have won had you not given everybody else three entries. Oh, yeah. So, is, is that is that what happened? Is, is, is that what we're saying now, J-Dev? <laughs> no, I, just, I had a busy week, and I just couldn't get a lineup in. But, there it uh, is. We're trying to find last week's. You know, I can't find it. Screw it. Whatever. Um, oh, here it is. And actually, this is a week that J-Bird t- took off. He had uh, family obligations and what have you. So, and, but I, I was still ready for him. I was, I was only, I was less than twenty points off of the perfect call sheet. I was actually pretty proud of my call sheet. Of course, Gamble twenty four x seven G twenty four. He had the exact same call sheet. But fill out your tiebreakers, folks, because he did not fill out a tiebreaker. He ends up coming in second, but gets first place money because we are only awarding money to the top two non cinema draft affiliated players and call sheets. Uh, quick look at my call sheet and his. We both had a headliner stack of the five bloods and just went all in, did a max stack on Morona's fantastic tail. Our high score of the weekend, 110.65, some sort of foreign animation. I wasn't interested, but apparently other people were. <laughs> and actually, I was really excited about this week from a pricing standpoint because this was the first week where the highest, where, where the highest salaried, uh, the highest salary title actually scored among the highest scores. This was the, the second highest scoring title of the week, second only to Marona's Fantastic Tale, which, as you can see, was just pure value right here. Pure yeah, value. absolutely. And getting the hang of it finally, but it is, there, it, it's still a new game. We're only 10 weeks in, S- super small sample size. We don't, you don't have a lot of historical data to base this stuff on because this really hasn't been done before. But I think we're kind of getting the hang and the hang and the and and the, the angle on how to price these things somewhat appropriately. Yeah, uh, you know, I think people learned a lot, and uh, it was really because I people faded Space Force a couple weeks ago. Yeah, usually the highest priced uh, options are always played, right? Because it just seems so obvious. But everybody was very smart to uh, to ignore Space Force, and and again, I, I think two weeks ago when I when I put in a really good lineup, I went back to the old rules of the Cinema Draft game. And I went with a lot of foreign films, especially ah. especially in the cheaper categories. If you're trying to save money, dude, those foreign films, especially the Indian films, dude, they you're kill it. Them. They absolutely <laughs> kill it, man. So and I'll be back in there this week, man. But I'm not a fan of the you know the, the three entry. I'm a single bullet guy. I'm a one entry guy. I got to stay true to myself. But I'm coming for that top spot with my one entry this week. You you and the draft mom, brown baby. What, you know she's gonna go hard. She's gonna go hard with one call sheet. Well, we're, and so, we're kindred spirits, me and the draft mom. Right? She sends you her love. You are don't tell Stranger, but you are her favorite. He he claims that he's her favorite. I'm like how you've been on the podcast like three times. You are obviously her favorite. She sends her love. Uh, one thing I want to uh, p- bring your attention to is the master uh, score list. I talk a little bit about it in the recap from last week. But basically, this is a tool at your disposal. You can find it 
on the scoring tab right here. You click master score list. Uh, best practice is to make a copy of it. So then you can just go ahead and sort this sucker six ways a Sunday. And you can kind of uh, decipher some patterns by genre. Oh, okay. I see animation scores this. Or you can sort it by platform. That's also kind of cool one. Oh, Apple TV. It stands for quality. Look at these scores. Nothing lower than 86. So, you know, you can kind of use those type of tools when you're concocting your call sheet for this week where we do have an Apple TV. Uh, we, we actually have another foreign drama, some documentaries. Yeah, we got a nice little hodgepodge. This week's scoring uh, or this this week's uh, salary making, it's, it's a little – I guess the salaries are a little depressed only because there's no clear-cut winner of what's going to be popular this week. A lot of these, a lot of these pricings are based off of kind of historical performance by genre or by platform and and general buzz. The the, the buzziest thing this weekend possibly is, is Perry Mason. So I think that is our highest priced that that's our highest priced title of the weekend. And then after that, it gets kind of squirrely. Star Dog and Turbo Cat, and that's some sort of family animation of which I'm not familiar. Another one that's also up there is Dads. That's like a, it looks like a celebrity documentary on celebrity dads, Will Smith, Ron Howard, Bryce Dallas Howard, people of that nature. So it's going to be a free-for-all this weekend. It's going to be a free-for-all. I like it. Hey, I forgot one thing when we were talking about what we're watching. I did watch something this week okay. that I loved. And if people want a little a little laughter in their life, uh, there's a great comedian named Al Madrigal. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, who's amazing, and he's got a special that you can find it on like Amazon Video or somewhere. It's called Shrimpin' Ain't Easy. Ah, there it is. Okay. If you want to laugh and you just want to kick back, I mean, this dude, I was dying. One of the best. It, it's 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 not in the pantheon of, of great all time stand ups like you know Raw or whatever. But it's 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 hysterically funny, and you'll love it. So check it out. Shrimp It Ain't Easy, Al Madrigal, great, great stuff. Y'all heard it here first, and uh, we'll have to add that to the list. We like to laugh here at Cinema Draft, damn it. <laughs> so good reminder, uh, get your call sheets in. We are going three max once again. I appreciate all the extra data. More work for me, but more data for all of us. Uh, your call sheets are due in by 6 p.m. Pacific time. Make sure you get those set in. Uh, make sure you share them with me and allow me to edit with Cinema Draft at Cinema Draft, no, Cinema Draft at gmail.com, and we will get your call sheets in there. We are also putting up, again, a $50 prize pool. I, try, I tried hard. I couldn't quite get there. I couldn't beat out ring balls for the low. I, I mean, it was down to the wire, too. It was, I mean, look, it's less than two points separated me from the low. I, it was, as I was scoring these, I got to... So when when this went up from like a 3.9 to a 4.0, I was ahead by like three or I was below by like three points, or whatever. And then fucking infamous. Oh, infamous. Yeah, here it is. Infamous scored only uh, went from a 3.4 to 3.6. And that's what killed me. It got too popular, damn it. And that's what went from me winning the low $10 bonus and rolling it into this week's prize pool to ring balls, getting a $10 PayPal, blah, 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 whatever. So congratulations, I, I, I want to. I would like to add another layer to the game this week. What's that? I'm gonna. I'm working on it in my head. I'm gonna add a little wrinkle. All right. Whoever finishes in fifth place, <laughs> fifth. Okay. Fifth place, but it has to be their number one lineup. It can't be their number two. It can't be their number three. 
Whoever finishes, if you finish in fifth place with your number one lineup, okay, I will give you fifty dollars. Oh, that sounds like a draft mom alert. All right, mom. Shout out to my single entry number one lineup, people. Number one lineup. If you're in fifth place, you get fifty bucks from me. If it doesn't, if you're if the fifth place finisher this week is not a one lineup guy or their first lineup guy, I'll roll it over to the next week. Well, 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 adding a little juice to the steak. You know what, Jay Devlin? We appreciate the extra action, and honestly, we expect nothing less. So, how, well, wait, real quick, how much for first place? Uh, 35. <laughs> oh, perfect. I, I want I want fifth place to win more than first place. <laughs> so aim for the middle, damn it. Y'all aim for the middle. Be good, but not too good. Get that it's middle. Just, just, just hang out in the middle like the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, maybe not this year, but most years. So, so this past week, this would have been a ring. Well, actually, this is this is the third lineup. So actually, so the, the, the one close to the fifth with his first lineup would have been the GOC, the God of Cheese. He would have gotten that fifth place bonus. Possibly, maybe. Fifth place bonus, fifty bucks. Come on, draft mom. Come so, on. Right, so actually, let's make it more specific because in in this scenario, I occupied two of the top uh, f- uh, five spots. So mm-hmm. the top five non cinema draft people or, or non uh, swag official. Yeah, let's give let's give mom let's give draft mom a shot. So oh, not yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give you a shot. But like I said, it has to have. <laughs> If you're if you're playing three lineups, okay, it has to be the lineup with a one next to it. Okay, all right. So it, last week you would have won the fifty dollars. Oh wow, yeah, there or are actually ring balls with it because I'm I'm in fourth here, but he's no, that's his here. third lineup. He would not oh, have won. So you're right. So uh, we'll do it this way. God of Cheese would have won fifty bucks last week. Okay, fair enough. So so closest to to so person in fifth or closest to with their number one lineup will win fifty dollar. Action juice bonus by J Dev, and if you and if that's you, then you say you're going to roll it into next week, correct? And if it's me, everybody else that plays has to send me fifty dollars. <laughs> Good luck collecting on that one. Well, I love the extra action, J Dev. Uh, thanks for juicing up the game. We will definitely be keeping an eye on that. And let's bring this in for landing. It's been a pleasure as always, J Dev. Thanks for coming by, elevating the Cinema Draft Pod with your presence. This is the time where I ask you to plug your ish. You have ish to plug. Dude, I don't really have any ish to plug, man. Through all the uh, the pandemic and everything that's going on, we've kind of uh, been off the airways. But, you know, give us a follow, mostly sports on Instagram, Facebook, you know, iHeartRadio, UBN Radio. Just put it in the Google machine. Uh, we'll be back up on the airways. we got a bunch of good guests coming. I actually got a former Survivor winner ready to go. There and it is. I, like I can, I'm more. I would rather interview this guy than Tom Cruise or Will Smith or, or anybody or Michael Jordan. I'm very excited to interview this guy. And but yeah, it's gonna. We'll, we'll be back up and, and running when sports get going again. There, there it is. The Mostly sports podcast, co-hosted by your boy Jay Devlin, gamer extraordinaire, cineast, Highlander fan. Spreading love across the world. Thanks again for coming by. And this is the time where we usually say, eh, you know, go see a movie or stuff. We're not. We're being safe, despite some people's best efforts. So, why don't you quarantine with a movie or something? Come back and check us out. Thanks for watching. Where can you find Cinema Draft? We are on Twitter at Play Cinema Draft, Facebook, Cinema Draft. 
Instagram at Play Cinema Draft, Medium at Cinema Draft, that is our corporate blog. We're even on Pinterest, Cinema Draft. Also, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And finally, please visit us at cinemadraft.co and sign up for an invite to the relaunch. We will always have games where you can sign up, play for free, and win real money. Cinema Draft is a registered mark of Cinema Draft LLC. Both the Cinema Draft game and the CD3D decentralized app token are for entertainment purposes only.